Book Ten of the Iliad of Homer, rendered into English blank verse by Edward, Earl of Derby. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Your reader, Michael Armenta. Argument The Night Adventure of Diomed and Ulysses. Upon the refusal of Achilles to return to the army, the distress of Agamemnon is described in the most lively manner. He takes no rest that night, but passes through the camp, awaking the leaders, and contriving all possible methods for the public safety. Menelaus, Nestor, Ulysses, and Diomed are employed in raising the rest of the captains, they call a council of war, and determine to send scouts into the enemy's camp to learn their posture and discover their intentions. Diomed undertakes the hazardous enterprise, and makes choice of Ulysses for his companion. In their passage they surprise Dolon, whom Hector had sent on a like design to the camp of the Grecians. From him they are informed of the situation of the Trojans and auxiliary forces, and particularly of Rhesus, and the Thracians, who were lately arrived. They pass on with success, kill Rhesus with several of his officers, and seize the famous horses of that prince, with which they return in triumph to the camp. The same night continues, the scene lies in the two camps. In night-long slumbers lay the other chiefs of all the Greeks, by gentle sleep subdued, but not on Agamemnon, Atreus' son, by various cares oppressed. Sweet slumber fell, as when from Jove the fair-haired Juno's lord flashes the lightning bringing in its train tempestuous storm of mingled rain and hail or snow by winter sprinkled o'er the fields or opening wide the ravenous jaws of war so agamemnon from his inmost heart poured forth in groans his multitudinous grief his spirit within him sinking on the plain he looked and there alarmed the watch-fires saw which far advanced before the walls of troy blazed numberless and thence of pipes and flutes he heard the sound and busy hum of men upon the ships he looked and men of greece and by the roots his hair in handfuls tore to jove on high deep groaned his mighty heart thus as he mused the wisest course appeared with nestor son of neleus to confer if they some scheme in council might devise to ward destruction from the grecian host he rose and o'er his body drew his vest and underneath his well-turned feet he bound his sandals fair. Then o'er his shoulders threw, down reaching to his feet, a lion's skin, tawny and vast, then grasped his ponderous spear. On Menelaus weighed an equal dread, nor on his eyes that night had slumber sat, lest ill befall the greeks who in his cause crossing the watery waste had come to troy and bold defiance to the trojans given round his broad chest a panther's skin he threw then on his head his brazen helmet placed and in his brawny hand a lance he bore to meet his brother went he forth, 
of Greece the mighty monarch as a god revered. Him by the ship he found, in act to arm, and welcome was his presence to the king. Then valiant Menelaus first began, why thus in arms, good brother, Seek'st thou one the Trojan camp to spy? I greatly fear that none will undertake the task alone to spy the movements of the hostile camp in the dark night. Stout-hearted he must be. To whom the monarch Agamemnon thus. Great need my noble brother have we both of sages counsels if we hope the greeks and grecian ships from ruin to preserve since turned against us is the mind of jove to hector's offerings most his soul inclines for never have i seen or heard men tell how in one day one man has wrought such loss as Hector, dear to Jove, yet not the son of god or goddesses, on the Greeks have wrought. Such deeds hath he achieved, such havoc made, as we shall long in bitter memory keep. Haste thou amid the ships, and hither bring Idomeneus and Ajax. I, the while, will Nestor rouse, and urge that he with us the outposts visit, and instruct the guard. To him they best will listen, for his son commands the watch. With him, Meriones, the follower of King Idomeneus, to them by preference hath this charge been given. He said, and Menelaus answered thus, what wouldst thou have me do then? Here remain with them, and wait thy coming, or to them thy message give, and follow in thy steps. Him answered Agamemnon, king of men. Remain thou here, lest haply we might fail to meet, for in the camp are many paths. But thou, where'er thou goest, each several man address and ask to rise to each his name and patronymic giving pay to each all due respect nor bear thee haughtily we like the rest must share the load of toil which jove assigns to all of mortal birth his brother Thus with counsels wise dismissed, the king to aged Nestor took his way. Him by his tent and dark-ribbed ship he found on a soft couch. Beside him lay his arms, his shield, two lances, and a glittering helm. There lay the rich-wrought belt the old man wore, when to the battle, armed, he led his troops, for not to age's weakness would he yield. Raising his head, and on his elbow propped, he questioned thus Atrides, Who art thou that wanderest through the encampment thus alone in the dark night, when other mortals sleep? Seek'st thou some mule broke loose, or comrade lost? Speak! nor in silence come. What wouldst thou hear? To whom thus Agamemnon, king of men, O Nestor, son of Neleus, pride of Greece, know me for Agamemnon, Atreus' son, on whom hath Jove, beyond the lot of men, laid grief that ne'er shall end while i retain breath in my lungs and vigour in my limbs i wander thus 
because these eyes of mine sweet slumber visits not, by cares of war oppressed, and harassed by the woes of Greece. Much for the Greeks I fear, nor keeps my mind its wonted firmness. I am ill at ease, and leaps my troubled heart as though twould burst my bosom's bounds, my limbs beneath me shake. But if thou wilt, since thou too knowest not sleep, together to the outposts let us go, and see if there, by toil and sleep o'erpowered, the guard repose, neglectful of their watch. The foe is close at hand, nor are we sure that he may not hazard e'en a night attack. To whom Gerenian Nestor thus replied, Most mighty Agamemnon, king of men, not all the hopes that Hector entertains shall by the lord of counsel be fulfilled, for him are toil and danger yet in store, if but Achilles of his wrath repent. Gladly will I attend thee, others too, Tydides, spearman bold, Ulysses, sage, Ajax the swift, and Phileus's noble son, should all be summoned, and twere well that one across the camp should run to call in haste the godlike Ajax and Idomeneus. Theirs are the farthest ships, nor near at hand. But dear to me as Menelaus is, and highly honoured, I must blame. Though thou shouldst take offence, I needs must say. He sleeps, and leaves the toil to thee alone. With all the chiefs he should be busied now, imploring aid in this our utmost need. To whom thus Agamemnon, king of men, for other times, old man, reserve thy blame. Sometimes I own he lags behind, nor takes his share of labor, not from indolence or want of sense, but still regarding me, waiting from me, an impulse to receive. But now, before me, he was up and came to visit me, and I have sent him on to call those very men whom thou hast named. Come then, for we, beside the gates and guard, shall find them. There my orders were to meet. To whom Gerenian Nestor thus replied, Then none can blame him, nor can any Greek justly refuse his summons to obey he said and round his body wrapped his vest then on his feet the sandals fair he bound and o'er his shoulders clasped a purple cloak doubled with ample folds and downy pile then took his spear with point of sharpened brass and through the camp prepared to take his way. Gerenian Nestor, from his slumbers first, Ulysses, sage as Jove in council, roused, loud shouting. Soon the voice his senses reached. Forth from his tent he came, and thus he spoke. What cause so urgent leads you through the camp? In the dark night to wander thus alone. To whom Gerenian Nestor thus replied, Ulysses, sage, Laertes' godlike son, Be not offended. Such the stress that now weighs down our army. Come thou then with us, 
and others let us call, with whom tis meet that we should counsel take to fight or fly. He said. Ulysses to the tent returned, then his broad shield across his shoulders thrown, came forth again, and with them took his way. To Diomed, the son of Tydeus, next they went, and him they found beside his arms, without his tent. His comrades slept around, their heads on their bucklers laid, their spears stood upright on the butts, the burnished brass, like heaven's own lightning, flashing far around. Stretched on a wild bull's hide, the chief reposed, a gay-wrought carpet rolled beneath his head. Gerenian Nestor close beside him stood, and touched him with his foot, and thus in tone reproachful spoke. Arouse thee, Tydeus' son! Why sleep'st thou thus all night? Or know'st thou not that on the very margin of the plain, and close beside the ships the Trojans lie, and little space between the camps is left? Quick roused from sleep, thus answered Diomed, Beshrew thy heart, old man. No labor seems to thee too hard. Are there not younger men to run about the camp, and summon all the several chiefs? Thou dost too much, old man. To whom Geranian Nestor thus replied, True, friend, and full of Wisdom are thy words. Good sons indeed I have, and followers brave, and many who might well my message bear. But great is now the stress that lies on Greece, for on a razor's edged is balanced now to all the Greeks the chance of life or death. Do then thou go, for thou my younger art, and if thou pity me, thyself arouse Ajax the swift, and Phileus' noble son. He said, the warrior round his shoulders threw, down reaching to his feet a lion's hide, tawny and dark, and took his ponderous spear. He went, aroused, and with him brought the chiefs. When to the guard they came, not sunk in sleep found they the leaders, but on wakeful watch intent, and all alert beside their arms. As round a sheepfold keep their anxious watch, the dogs, who in the neighbouring thicket hear some beast, that, bold in search of prey, has come down from the mountain, loud the clamours rise of men and dogs, all sleep is banished thence. So from their eyes was banished sleep, who watched through that disastrous night. Still plainward, turning at every movement in the Trojan camp. The old man saw, well pleased, and thus addressed with cheering words the captains of the guard. Watch ever thus, good youths, nor be surprised by slumber, lest the foe a triumph gain. This said, he crossed the ditch, and with him went the Grecian leaders to the council called. With them, admitted to the conference, went Meriones and Nestor's noble son. The deep-dug ditch they crossed, 
and sat them down upon an open space from corpses clear where hector from the slaughter of the greeks turned back when evening spread her veil around there they sat down and there the conference held Gerenian nestor first took up the word o oh, friends is any here with heart so bold who dares self-confident the trojan camp to enter there some straggler he might take or in the camp itself some tidings gain what are their secret counsels if they mean here by the ships to hold their ground or back sated with victory to the town retire this could he learn and hither scathless bring his tidings high as heaven in all men's mouths would be his praise and ample his reward for every captain of a ship should give a coal-black ewe and at her foot a lamb prize beyond compare and high should be his place at banquets and at solemn feasts he said but all the chiefs in silence heard then rose the valiant diomed and said nestor that heart is mine i dare alone enter the hostile camp so close at hand yet were one comrade given me i should go with more of comfort more of confidence where two combine one before the other sees the better course and even though one alone the readiest way discover yet would be his judgment slower his decision less he said and many chiefs to diomed proffered companionship stood forth at once with him to penetrate the trojan camp the two agesses ministers of mars stood forth meriones and eagerly stood forth the son of nestor atreus son the royal menelaus spearman bold and stout ulysses whose enduring heart for every deed of valor was prepared rose agamemnon king of men and said tydides comrade dearest to my soul choose thou thine own companion whom thou wilt of all the many here that proffer aid him who thou deem'st the best nor from disrespect to persons leave the better man behind and take the worse nor deference show to rank not though the purest royal blood were his in fear for menelaus thus he spoke then answered valiant diomed and said if my companion i may freely choose how can i pass the sage ulysses by of ready wit and dauntless courage proved in every danger and to pallas dear i should not fear by him accompanied to pass through fire and safely both return so far in prudence he surpasses all whom answered thus ulysses stout of heart tydides nor exaggerated praise bestow on me nor censure for thou speak'st to those who know me all for what i am but go we night wanes fast the morn is near the stars are high in heaven and of the night two-thirds are spent one-third alone remains he said and both prepared to don their arms 
the youthful warrior thrasymedes gave to diomed a two-edged sword his own had in the ship been left and ample shield then on his brows a leathern headpiece placed without or peak or plume a simple casque such as is worn by youths to guard their head a bow and well-filled quiver and a sword meriones to sage ulysses gave and on his brows a leathern headpiece placed well wrought within with numerous straps secured and on the outside with wild boar's gleaming tusk profusely garnished scattered here and there by skilful hand the midst with felt was lined this from Amintor, son of Ormenus. Atolycus from Eleon bore away, spoil of his pillaged house. Atolycus gave to Amphidamus, Cytheran chief, who in Scandia dwelt. Amphidamus to Malus pledge of friendship. He again gave to his son Meriones, from whom it now encircled sage Ulysses' brow. Thus with accoutrements and with arms supplied, they left their brother chiefs and took their way. Then, close beside their path, by Pallas sent, rose on the right a heron. Through the gloom they saw it not, indeed, but heard the cry. The favouring sign with joy Ulysses hailed, and thus to Pallas prayed. Hear me, thou child of aegis-bearing Jove, who still hast stood in every peril at my side, whose eye my every movement sees. Now, goddess, now befriend me, grant that safe with triumph crowned, we may return, some great exploit achieved, such as the Trojans long may bear in mind. Him following, thus the brave Tydides prayed, My voice too, child of Jove, undaunted here, and be with me, as with my father erst, the godlike Tydeus, when to Thebes he went, an envoy, in advance, and left behind upon Osopus' banks the mail-clad Greeks. Smooth was the message which to Thebes he bore, but great his mission ended were the deeds that with thine aid he wrought, for, goddess, thou wast with him, and thine arm was his defence. So be thou now with me, and me defend. Then on thine altar will I sacrifice a yearling heifer, broad of brow, untamed, whereon no yoke hath mortal ever laid. Her will I give, and tip her horns with gold, Thus, as they prayed, their prayer the goddess heard. Then, their devotions ended, on they fared through the deep dead of night, like lions twain, mid slaughter, corpses, arms, and blackened gore. Nor in the Trojan camp did Hector leave the chiefs to rest, but all to conference called, the leaders and the counsellors of Troy, to whom his prudent speech he thus addressed. Who is there here that for a rich reward a noble work will undertake? A car and two strong-collared horses, best of all that can be found within the Grecian lines, shall he receive, who to his endless praise shall dare approach the ships? and learn if still they keep their wonted watch, or, by our arms subdued and vanquished, meditate retreat, 
and worn with toil the nightly watch neglect thus hector spoke but all in silence heard there was one dolon in the trojan camp the herald's son eumedes rich in gold in brass not fair of face but swift of foot amid five sisters he the only son who thus to hector and the trojans spoke hector with dauntless courage i will dare approach the ships and bring thee tidings sure but hold thou forth thy royal staff and swear that i the horses and the brass-bound car shall have the boast of peleus matchless son not vain shall be my errand nor deceive thy hopes right through the camp i mean to pass to agamemnon's tent where all the chiefs debate in council or to fight or fly he said and hector took his royal staff and swore to him be witness jove himself the lord of thunder that no trojan man thyself except shall e'er those horses drive for thee they are reserved glorious prize thus hector swore though unfulfilled the oath the hope to dolon fresh assurance gave forthwith his bow across his shoulders slung a grisly wolf skin o'er it on his head a cap of martin's fur and in his hand a javelin from the camp he took his way straight to the grecian ships but never thence destined to bring the expected tidings back the crowd of men and horses left behind briskly he moved along ulysses first marked his approach and to tydides said see from the camp where some one this way comes with what intent i know not if to play the spy about the ships or rob the dead turn we aside and let him pass us by a little way we then with sudden rush may seize him or if he outstrip us both by speed of foot may urge him toward the ships driving him still before us with our spears and from the city cutting off his flight thus saying mid the dead beside the road they crouched all unconscious hastened by but when such space was interposed as leave between the sluggish oxen and themselves a team of mules so much the faster they through the stiff fallow drag the jointed plough they rushed upon him at the sound he stopped deeming that from the trojan camp they came by hector sent to order his return within a spear's length when they came or less for foes he knew them and to night addressed his active limbs they rushed in hot pursuit and as two hounds well practised in the chase with glistening fangs unflagging strain to catch in woodland glade some pricket deer or hare that flies before them screaming so those two tydides and ulysses stout of heart with fiery zeal unflagging strained to catch the flying dolon from the camp cut off but when the fugitive approached the ships close by the guard fresh vigour pallas gave to diomed 
lest haply from the walls some other might anticipate his blow, and he himself but second honours gain. Tydides then with threatening gesture cried, Stop, or I hurl my spear, and small thy chance, if I assail thee, of escape from death. He said, and threw his spear, but by design it struck him not. Above his shoulder flew the polished lance, and quivered in the ground. Sudden he stopped, with panic paralyzed. His teeth all chattering, pale with fear, he stood, with faltering accents. Panting, they came up, and seized him in their grasp. He thus in tears, Spare but my life, my life I can redeem, For ample stores I have of gold and brass, And well-wrought iron, and of these my sire would pay a generous ransom could he learn that in the grecian ships i yet survived to whom ulysses deep designing thus be of good cheer nor let the fear of death disturb thy mind but tell me truly this how is that toward the ships thou comest alone in the still night when other mortals sleep? Comest thou perchance for plunder of the dead, or seek'st upon our ships to play the spy by Hector sent, or of thine own accord? Then Dolan thus his knees with terror shook. With much persuasion of my better mind hector beguiled me offering as my prize achilles horses and his brass-bound car through the dark night he sent me and enjoined entering your hostile camp to learn if still ye keep your wonted watch or by our arms subdued and vanquished meditate retreat and worn with toil your nightly watch neglect to whom ulysses thus with scornful smile high soared thy hopes indeed that thought to win the horses of achilles hard are they for mortal man to harness or control save for achilles self the goddess born but tell me truly this when here thou camest where left thou hector guardian chief of troy where are his warlike arms his horses where where lie the rest and where are placed their guards what are their secret counsels do they mean here by the ships to keep their ground or back sated with victory to the town return whom dolan answered thus eumedes son thy questions all true answers shall receive hector with those who share his counsels sit in conference far apart near ilus's tomb but for the guards thou speak'st of noble chief not one is stationed to protect the camp Around the Trojan fires, indeed, perforce a watch is kept, and they among themselves due caution exercise. But for the allies, they sleep, and to the Trojans leave their watch, since nor their children nor their wives are near. To whom in answer sage Ulysses thus, Say now, where sleep they, with the Trojans mixed or separate? Explain, that I may know. Whom answered Dolan thus, Eumedes' son? This too will I give ye answer true. 
next to the sea the carrion forces lie the paean archers and the lelegies the caucons and the bold pelagians next on thimbra's side the lycian's lot has fallen the mycians brave the phrygian cavalry and the meonians with their horsehair plumes but why of these inquire if ye intend an inroad on the camp apart from all new come the farthest off the thracians lie rhesus their king the son of Eionus sleeps in the midst. No steeds that e'er I saw for size and beauty can with his compare, whiter than snow and swifter than the wind. With gold and silver is his chariot wrought, his armor golden, of gigantic size, a marvel to behold. It seems not meet for mortal man, but for the immortal gods but take me now in safety to the ships or leave me here in fetters bound that so ere ye return ye may approve my words and see if i have told you true or no to whom thus diomed with stern regard dolan though good thy tidings hope not thou once in our hands to scape the doom of death for if we now should let thee go again in after times thou mightst our ships approach as secret spy or open enemy but if beneath my hands thou lose thy life no farther trouble shalt thou cause the greeks he said and as the suppliant sought in vain to touch his beard imploring through his throat both tendons severing drove his trenchant blade even while he spoke his head was rolled in dust the cap of martin fir from off his head they took the wolf-skin and the bow unstrung and javelin these ulysses held aloft and thus to pallas prayed who gave the spoil receive great goddess these our gifts to thee of all the immortals on olympus's height our offerings first we give conduct us now the thracian camp and thracian steeds to gain thus as he spoke amid the tamarisk scrub far off he threw the trophies then with reeds and twigs new broken from the tamarisk boughs he set a mark lest in the gloom of night returning they might haply miss the spot then on they passed through arms and blackened gore and reached the confines of the thracian camp there found they all by sleep subdued their arms beside them on the ground in order due in triple rows and by the side of each harnessed and yoked his horses ready stood surrounded by his warriors rhesus slept beside him stood his coursers fleet their reins suspended to the chariot's topmost rail ulysses marked him as he lay and said this is the man tydides these the steeds to us by dolan whom we slew described now then put forth thy might Beseems it not to stand thus idly with thine arms in hand loose thou the horses or do thou the men dispatch and to my care the horses leave he said and pallas vigour new inspired that right and left he smote 
dire were the groans of slaughtered men. The earth was red with blood, and as a lion on the intended flock of sheep or goats with savage onslaught springs, even so Tydides on the Thracians sprang, till twelve were slain. And as Tydides' sword gave each to death, Ulysses by the feet drew each aside, reflecting that perchance the horses startled might refuse to pass the corpses, for as yet they knew them not. But when Tydides saw the sleeping king, a thirteenth victim to his sword was given, painfully breathing, for by Pallas's art he saw that night, as in an evil dream, the son of Aeneus standing o'er his head. Meanwhile, Ulysses sage the horses loosed. He gathered up the reins, and with his bow, for whip was none at hand, he drove them forth. Then softly whistling to Tydides gave a signal. He, the while, remained behind, musing what bolder deed he yet might do, whether the seat whereon the arms were laid to draw away or lifted high in air, to bear it off in triumph on the car, or on the Thracians farther loss inflict. But while he mused, beside him Pallas stood, and said, Bethink thee, Tydeus' son, betimes of thy return, lest if some other god should wake the Trojans, thou shouldst need to fly. She said, the heavenly voice he recognized, and mounted straight the car. Ulysses touched the horses with his bow, and, urged to speed, they toward the ships their rapid course pursued. Nor idle watch Apollo kept, who saw Tydides o'er the plain, by Pallas led, with anger filled, the Trojan camp he sought, and Rhesus' kinsman, good Hippocoon, the Thracian counsellor, from sleep aroused. Awaking, when the vacant space he viewed, where late had stood the horses, and his friends gasping in death, and weltering in their blood, he groaned as on his comrade's name he called. Then loud the clamour rose, and wild uproar, unspeakable, of Trojans thronging round. They marvelled at the deeds, but marvelled more how they who wrought them had escaped unscathed. Meantime, arrived where Hector's scout they slew, Ulysses, loved of heaven, a moment checked his eager steeds. Tydides from the car leaped to the ground, and in Ulysses' hand the bloody trophies placed. Then mounted quick, and toward the ships their destined goal, urged on the fiery horses. Nothing loth they flew. Nestor first heard the sound and cried, O oh, friends, the leaders and the counsellors of Greece, am I deceived, or is it true? Methinks the sound of horses hurrying strikes my ear. Grant heaven, Ulysses and brave Diomed may bring those horses from the Trojan camp. Yet much I fear our bravest may have yet with some disaster, mid the crowd of foes. He scarce had ended, when themselves appeared, and from the car descended. Welcomed back with cordial grasp of hands, and friendly words, Geranian Nestor first inquiring said, Tell me, renowned Ulysses, 
pride of Greece. Whence come these horses? From the Trojan camp? Or hath some god that met you by the way bestowed them, radiant as beams of light? Among the Trojans day by day I move, tis not my wont, old warrior though I be, to lag behind, but horses such as these I never saw. Some god hath given them, sure. For Jove, the cloud-compeller, loves you both, and Pallas, child of Aegis-bearing Jove. To whom again the sage Ulysses thus, O Nestor, son of Neleus, pride of Greece, had they so willed, the gods, so great their power, e'en better horses could have given than these. But these, old man, are Thracians, newly come, whose king the valiant Diomed hath slain, and with him twelve, the best of all his band. A scout, too, we have slain, by Hector sent, and by the Trojan chiefs, to spy our camp. He said, and o'er the ditch the horses drove, exulting in their prize, and with him went the other chiefs, rejoicing through the camp. Arrived at Diomed's well-ordered tent, first with strong halters to the rack, where stood, high-fed with corn, his own swift-footed steeds, the horses they secured. Ulysses then the bloody spoils of Dolan stowed away in the ship's stern, till fitting sacrifice to Pallas might be offered. To the sea, descending then, they washed away the sweat which on their necks and thighs and knees had dried. The sweat washed off, and in the ocean waves themselves refreshed, they sought the polished bath. Then, by the bath restored, and all their limbs anointed freely with the lysum oil, sat down to breakfast, and from flowing bowls, in palaces honour, poured the luscious wine. End of Book Ten